Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Thursday edition of the program. It's game day once again for the Hoosiers. The second and final exhibition game tonight against NAIA level St. Francis from the Fort Wayne area coming down to Bloomington. And some more IU basketball on tap tonight. Of course, Don Fisher, the legendary play-by-play voice of the Hoosiers, will have the call tonight on the Big X. I know uh, somebody reminded me with some of these exhibition games and early season games on Big Ten Network Plus, I know it's a pain, and a lot of you don't have that extra uh, subscription. So Don Fisher and his radio call probably becomes even more valuable uh, during some of these early season opportunities. And, of course, we'll have the full call, including the hour-long pregame show tonight here on the Big X leading up to the IU St. Francis game. But welcome in. I think the day's just a little bit better when we have basketball to talk about, whether it's uh, leading into the night of a game or whether it's the day after a game we get to recap things. So very interested to see this Indiana team again tonight. Uh, We'll talk more about St. Francis, their opponent, coming up here in just a bit. But obviously I don't think any of us expect a big challenge for Indiana tonight. This is a game where we'll see Indiana get to work on things here in an early season format and get ready for their first Division I opponent coming up next week when Moorhead State comes to town. So fun stuff ahead. Basketball season is here. Just a great time. And, of course, we can't forget the football Hoosiers after a bye week. They are back on the field this weekend. They will take on a very solid Penn State game. I'm just curious to see who starts at quarterback. Some of the most elementary questions about this team with the season and the lack of success and the injuries and just to the point things are at, uh, just basic questions kind of are unanswered right now. So uh, I think it'll be interesting from that point, but Indiana has a tough, tough stretch ahead in football. I think we've all come to the realization that this season, I hate to say it's over because there's games ahead. There's a big rivalry game with Purdue that you would expect could be a game Indiana could compete in, but some of the upcoming games, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, are going to be very tough for this Indiana team. A couple of reminders before we get further into the show. The Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, you can save that number. You can text me during this show. Uh, questions on IU basketball, football, local sports. If you've got uh, topics you want us to bring up, you can kind of drive the direction of this show. We've only got an hour together each day. Love to get your input and your thoughts. So 502 502- 414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. So get your text in now at 
1450. Also, the show lineup today, always a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, news and headlines from IU and around college basketball. I tell you what, we've had some interesting headlines in college hoops recently. Kansas yesterday, that news broke just before we came on the show live. Uh, their suspension of Coach Self and their lead assistant coach for four games. They're under investigation by the NCAA. Then earlier today, if you're in this local market here where we're at in southern Indiana and Louisville, dominating all the headlines, all the social media, has been UofL basketball. It appears that outside of a fine and some other uh, notes on the violation, uh, I guess you would call it notice, uh, they have avoided major penalties, as have Chris Mack, as have Rick Pitino, who, of course, is currently a coach. Had they got really bad results, it could have affected his ability to continue being a Division One coach at Iona, where he's at right now. So we'll also talk some about that. But good news for Kenny Payne and UofL basketball and the future of the Cardinal program, and obviously here locally, that's a huge storyline that you're going to hear about today and for the next few days. Also, uh, other headlines to get to, uh, Gonzaga to the Big 12. It sounds like it's a possibility. And uh, more on this St. Francis team that Indiana is going to take on tonight. Also, an interesting high school basketball note as far as former players from our state that I want to mention to you here in this opening segment. Later today, it's Thursday, so my old friend Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, who I've known for years and years, he's going to join us to help us get ready for the St. Francis IU exhibition game tonight. We'll go through all the storylines, what Alex will be watching tonight, and kind of what to pay attention to in this final exhibition game before the real season opens up next week against Moorhead State. And then Matt Weaver of Pigs.com, the football writer for the Pigs website, he's going to join us. we got to talk a little bit of IU Penn State football. And there's one really concerning thing I saw yesterday about the future of IU football that I'll pass along to you as well coming up here in just a bit. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. All right, let's get into our headlines for today. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. All right, St. Francis tonight. I mentioned this earlier in the week, but one of their key players is Brayton Bailey from Bedford North Lawrence. He's a junior for St. Francis, and so you're going to probably hear his name tonight, although this St. Francis team is going to be very, very much overmatched, both in size and uh, athleticism and in strength as well. But for just a moment, we know Brayton is the son of IU legend, Damon Bailey, who years back has been on this very program. And so for just a moment, can we take a minute to remember Damon Bailey and all that he accomplished during his IU career? I looked it up yesterday, 1,741 points for the IU legend, 474 assists, 466 rebounds, and 133 games that he played uh, as a Hoosier. Brayton himself, junior guard, uh, started 30 of 31 games last season and scored 10 points in their opener. By the way, uh, the uh, Cougars of St. Francis beat Michigan-Dearborn 94-81 to open up their season last week. Their roster, the St. Francis roster, 
tons of Indiana high school basketball talent on that team, players that played high school hoops in our state. Antoine Cushingberry, who New Albany fans will probably remember that name from the Warren Central team. He also was at Lawrence North as well. Uh, he led the team in that opening game. He, in fact, was a second-team NAIA All-American last season, averaging just under 22 points last year. Got his uh, next season underway with a very strong performance of 26 points in the opener. Of course, he was part of that undefeated Warren Central team that won the 4A state championship and knocked out Romeo and New Albany in that very tough game that I will never forget uh, there at Seymour High School back in 2018. But uh, tons of names that you would probably recognize if you keep up with high school hoops in our state. Uh, but again, Brayton Bailey, I think probably the player from an IU perspective that most people are interested to watch. Also, don't forget, locally, Brandon Northern uh, from Silver Creek. His father, Bryant Northern, is a basketball trainer in the area, was a great player and had a wonderful career for Mike Broughton at Jeffersonville High School. Bryant played good college basketball. He played for some years at U of L. Played at Northern Kentucky. Um, he uh, finished up. I forget where else, but uh, definitely somebody to watch. I don't know what Braden's opportunity as a freshman will be like, especially in a game like this tonight. But obviously, need experience for him to get the chance to play at Assembly Hall and to practice there. I believe today in advance of the game. And so neat stuff for St. Francis and uh, a good exhibition game. We talked about this multiple times with Marion and St. Francis. You love to see the in-state schools that uh, are very good at their level during the regular season get a chance to get a little money and get paid to play and get an opportunity uh, to play at a place like Assembly Hall. It's pretty good stuff. And, and just a reminder, um, last year, or I should say under Chad LaCrosse, who I've known forever, He's the head coach at St. Francis. This team is looking to make its 11th trip to the NAI National Tournament in his 13th season. So that tells you that lacrosse, a former all-star in our state back in his playing day, I think it was a 97 graduate, uh, that tells you how good that this St. Francis program has been. And Brandon Northern, for example, had some Division I interest, some of it, uh, for some point of his recruitment. But St. Francis is a high-level team for that level of college basketball. So for them, big stuff. Indiana should roll tonight, but we get a chance to see lineups and freshmen. And is Trace Jackson Davis back uh, with the minor cast off of his right hand? Does Tamar Bates make his debut this season in Assembly Hall? Those are all things that we'll be watching for. Of course, I like to pay attention to the defense. Indiana should really be able to stymie a team like St. Francis where they've got an advantage in almost every position. And I think everybody knows tonight they'll be looking at the long ball, the three-point shooting for this Indiana team. Uh, are they improved? Maybe a little bit they appeared to be against Marion. It's just so hard to judge against that level of competition. I don't know that we'll really know the answer to that until we get sometime maybe into mid-December. But um, definitely you would think tonight Indiana should be able to come out and shoot the ball well against this team. So those are just a couple things to watch tonight. Uh, pay attention to Brayton Bailey. Damon Bailey should be there, I would think, with his family. Uh, that will be neat to see him back in Assembly Hall. So just a good connection to wrap up the exhibition season tonight with Indiana and St. Francis. And again, we'll carry that game with Don Fisher on the voice of that game tonight here on the Big X. Also, just some college basketball news. We talked about some of this yesterday, but breaking earlier today, the Louisville scandals and the Rick Pitino era there coming to an end 
they really both parties, U of L as a uh, institution and Coach Patino as a Division One coach for his future, they really escape basically all the major penalties in this investigation that has amazingly uh, went on for five years now. So uh, good news for Kenny Payne. I mean, I'm hopeful that he can do good stuff there. I'm hopeful that he and Mike Woodson and their friendship together over the years, their basketball connections, I think primarily through the NBA. They both uh, had stops as assistant coaches, both worked for the Knicks uh, fairly recently. Um, I'm hopeful that he can get it going and that that Indiana-Louisville series can return a lot like the Indiana-Kentucky series is set to do. It just It's a natural rivalry. It makes sense in our basketball-crazed Kentuckiana region. And uh, so I, I'm hopeful for the Cardinals to see that they can get things on the right track. And I think basketball in our area is better when Indiana and even Purdue and Kentucky and Louisville are playing at their best. I, I want to rival I don't have a, really a dog in the fight, but I want to rival the uh, Duke-North Carolina-North Carolina State Triangle uh, in the ACC Conference as the best area for basketball, specifically college basketball in the country. Also, yesterday we talked about this some, but Kansas has imposed a four-game suspension for Bill Self and also lead assistant coach Curtis Townsend to begin the season. Now, both of those guys will be back well in advance of the Indiana-Kansas game later in the non-conference season. But even more interesting to me, and I read some of this yesterday on the program, Kansas announced all self-imposed penalties, the reduction of four official visits during the academic year and in the 2023-24 year as well, the reduction of three total scholarships in men's basketball to be distributed over the next three years, the implementation of a six-week ban on recruiting communications, which I think is really big, a six-week ban on unofficial visits, and a 13-day reduction in the number of permissible recruiting days during the 22-23 calendar, and a few other things as well. So that tells me, and I think others that I've talked to, there could be some real issues that Kansas is preparing to face and trying to get ahead of those by uh, putting some own penalties on themselves. One other college basketball note, I find this interesting, all the shakeup with conferences and especially out west, what's going to happen with some of the, the Pac-12 schools and the Big 12 and some of the other schools out there. Gonzaga, according to ESPN, is in talks with the Big 12 about joining the conference. And so I think that makes sense for them. I think it could also be a big boost for the Big 12 conference to become maybe the third major conference. Not that Gonzaga football-wise brings anything to the table, but it's interesting if Gonzaga goes Big 12 instead of Pac-12, to me that signals the Big 12 may be the one that survives out there. Just uh, hypothesizing, putting it all together, uh, it's curious to see. And from a basketball perspective, Gonzaga uh, is a big deal, getting them in your conference on some of their other sports. I have no clue uh, including football, obviously, uh, never heard of them in football. So uh, one other IU football note or one IU football note I want to mention here in our headlines. IU fans, this is concerning. We know where the season is at right now. We know what we expect over the next few weeks. We know that the Purdue game is something that maybe fans still hold on to as a game Indiana can compete in and possibly win, but that's not even going to be really a, a – uh, Indiana's not going to be a favorite, or I don't think a close match in that game, according to the predictors. But looking at the recruiting class for 2023, I saw something pop up this morning about the Big Ten classes for the class of 2023. Where is Indiana at? Number 14 of 14 schools in the conference. 
So uh, right behind Wisconsin, surprisingly enough, who is number 13, Rutgers number 12, Illinois 11. If you go all the way down to the top of the conference, Ohio State, with no question, they lead the uh, the Big Ten in 2023 recruits as far as their composite scores go. Michigan is second. Northwestern is uh, right there at the top as well. And Iowa uh, rounding out the top five. So definitely interesting and uh, concerning news, not just for now with this Indiana team, but for the future as well. One other high school basketball note I wanted to mention, you know, the girls' season began this week. It's kind of been a slow start here for some of our local teams getting underway, but more teams will play tonight and this weekend. So we'll get a feel for girls' hoops in the area this year. I really feel like it's wide open. But I saw something that Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star put together. Kyle is with us Fridays, if you're a regular listener to this show. Uh, He has a database of high school graduates from Indiana, both girls and boys, that are playing women's and men's college basketball at the Division I level. And how about this? When you add them together... There are almost 300 prospects or 300 players, 300 graduates, however you want to phrase it from our state, that are currently on men's and women's Division I college basketball rosters. That is outstanding for the state of Indiana. I would love to have time to compare that to other states and get into population and ratios and those sorts of things. But definitely uh, Indiana at the top of the heap. They've got to be for producing Division I talent and for being a basketball state year in and year out. So good stuff as we get ready for the college basketball season. A lot of uh, former guys from the Hoosier State playing at the Division I level, and uh, a lot of other teams uh, that some of them are on at the college ranks that are expected to have good seasons this year. So I think we'll have some other sidebar things to follow as the college hoop season gets started. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall will be my guest. We'll talk IU basketball. We'll get you ready for the St. Francis exhibition game tonight and what you should be looking for in this second and final exhibition game. Still ahead today as well, Matt Weaver on IU football. IU Penn State coming up a tough one for the Hoosiers on the gridiron on Saturday. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And welcome back, Thursday edition of the program. That means the great Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall joins us for a conversation on IU basketball. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Alex, I know we got to talk IU hoops and a little bit about tonight's exhibition game against St. Francis, but if I'm a Louisville fan today and a supporter of Kenny Payne, I am rejoicing to see the lack thereof uh, penalties and uh, hand-me-downs from the NCAA. I think the Cardinals really escaped after this five-year investigation finally comes to a close. Yeah, uh, 
I don't know that I was super surprised by what transpired today in terms of the ruling, but um, I think you make a great point that they, uh, just the optics of it, uh, makes it look like they got off pretty easy. The one thing I would say is that the fact that they've had this cloud hanging over them for the last five years was kind of a penalty in itself, and so I think this is the right call uh, in terms of not really handing anything uh, notable down in terms of further penalties. They'll get a, you know, I think a probation, uh, whatever that means for two years, minor things, a $5,000 fine, and uh, lose a couple of recruiting days, which I don't really necessarily agree with that either because all of the bad actors who committed uh, these, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, rule, uh, breaking these rules are now no longer with the program. So, I think the best thing here is for everybody to just move on and we'll, we'll get the chance to start fresh with a new coach. And a lot of people are excited about Kenny Payne. I, th- I thought it was a really good hire for their program. It's obviously going to take him some time to get his players in there and get his system going. But I think uh, overall this is the right move because the Louisville's already basically decimated their program over the last five years and not, not hit rock bottom, but you look at their Ken Palm rating uh, to start the season. I think they're somewhere in the nineties. They're not going to be a, uh, a tournament team in all likelihood this season. And so I think giving them a postseason ban or anything uh, like that moving forward would have been just kind of piling on. So I, I know everybody there is probably happy to get this uh, out of the way. And from an IU perspective, you know, I, selfishly, I'd like to see an Indiana Louisville series uh, in the next couple of years. I know Kenny Payne and Mike Woodson are friends. I think it'd be a great series to have on the schedule for both fan bases and makes a lot of sense to for Indiana uh, to play them, and, and obviously uh, they're going to have to get turned uh, in the right direction in order for them to be willing to schedule Indiana. So hopefully, uh, you know, everyone moves on from this, and, and they can get their program back up and running, and hopefully an Indiana Louisville series uh, awaits us here down the road. And one other thing about U of L, I tell you, Alex, there's been a lot of good sentiments about playing in-state NAI teams for exhibition games and bringing in teams that have IU connections as Marion did with the former player Steve Downing as the athletic director and St. Francis, a great in-state program with Brayton Bailey, Damon Bailey's son, one of their key players this year. But Louisville is an example of how that can backfire because uh, the team that came in and the name of the university escapes me right now, but coached by Everett Sullivan, a former UofL player. So that's the reason to bring them back, give them a chance to play at the Yum, a chance to play a high-level exhibition game, a chance to make a little money to help their men's basketball budget, I'm sure, as well. And uh, in that case, Louisville gets beat as their offense was very, very poor in that game. But that's just an mm-hmm. example of how these exhibition games can turn the other way on you as well. Yeah, uh, Lenore Ryan, I think, is the name of the school. Yeah. Uh, watched a uh, pretty good part of that game, uh, at least the second half the other day. Didn't have anything going on, so I had to turn, uh, decided just out of curiosity just to see what Louisville team was going to look like, turned it on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what can happen in some of these situations. I, I don't think that's anything we're going to have to worry about with Indiana, but I remember back to the, and you may not remember this, Matt, but back to the Tom Crean era, I think it was his third year on the job. It was Victor Oladipo's freshman year. They played Ferris State in an exhibition game, which is, a, I think, a, a D2, D2 program. And Oladipo had to basically hit, I think it was like a half-court shot uh, to send the game to overtime. They ended up winning, but 
these early season exhibition games, uh, anything can happen. And, and it sounded to me like Kenny Payne was actually uh, not – he didn't think it was the worst thing for his team uh, to, to lose like that. Maybe a, a wake-up call of sorts. But it's not going to be easy. And, and from watching that game, it's going to be uh, a really – uh, potentially a really long season for Louisville. So you talk about them getting uh, no further penalties. I think one penalty that they're going to have this year with the new coaching staff and a lot of turnovers that fans are going to have to sit through. It's going to be a pretty difficult year, I feel like, in terms of wins and losses. Absolutely. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Before we get to this IU exhibition tonight, one other college basketball note. Kansas uh, self-imposing a number of penalties, including a four-game suspension for Bill Self. Do you sense some real trouble maybe for the Jayhawks? Uh, the only thing is, is you know, what's the timetable because the NCAA is always so slow to act? Yeah, it sounded like to me that nothing was going to happen on that one until the end of the season, uh, after the season. So uh, this is probably Kansas's way of trying to say, hey, we did something you know, spare us uh, when the penalties come out. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's hard to say in a situation like this and compare it to Louisville because uh, you look at what Kansas has done the last couple of seasons. They just won the national championship. So their program hasn't really been affected uh, in any way by the cloud that's hung over them. So there may be a little bit more incentive for uh, harsher penalties to actually feel like uh, they they did punish them. You know, Louisville, it wasn't that, that way. They, they their, their program has been decimated here these last couple of years. And, uh, you know, so, you know, the optics of that, cutting them off, they've already kind of served their penalty. But Kansas is, is different. They just won the national championship. So I'll be really interested to see uh, what happens there. Uh, Four-game suspension, I don't know kind of what the – rationale for that number was or what Kansas is thinking uh, about it, but I'm sure there's lawyers involved and they're getting some kind of plan or objective in terms of what they're trying to do here. Absolutely. Alex Bozich, my guest. All right, St. Francis tonight for the Hoosiers, second and final exhibition game before Moorhead State next week. I think the most exciting thing, and I hate to say this because I know there are a lot of people excited about the game, including me. It's a chance to see this game. But one of the biggest things, and it's uh, outside of, what, one more game, the last time you'll need Big Ten Plus this season if you're not going to the game, it's a pain to get that on and try to get it on your television. Yeah, I wrote a thing that I just retweeted and sent out there. Uh, I've been trying to tweet it out before every game and share it on Facebook and let people know because inevitably when the game starts, I'll have people asking me where to find the game. And, you know, it's just the reality of the situation uh, in terms of the Big Ten and the TV TV deal. Uh, This isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, I think the only sport that doesn't have – Games on Big Ten Plus uh, in the Big Ten is football. We all know why that is because uh, that's where the money is. Uh, and so it's not just going to be Big Ten Plus in the future. It's going to be Peacock, too, because NBC's streaming service is a part of uh, the, the new media rights deal, and they're going to have access to several Big Ten regular season games. So expect to see some Indiana games on there in the future. Uh Obviously, you're going to have to pay more to get that. I think the thing that kind of irks people is 
and I know I think you may have YouTube TV, Matt. I know I do. Um, you know, we're paying what seventy bucks a month for that, and we expect you know you would be able to get mostly every game. But all of a sudden, now you got to pay ten bucks for Big Ten Plus for this month to get these three games. In the future, you may have to pay five or ten bucks a month to get Peacock, and all of a sudden it just feels like we're back in the same place. Like the, the whole cord cutting thing was supposed to be save some money from your cable or satellite bill, have more control over what you get, and slowly but surely with all these streaming services, depending on what else you like to watch, we're kind of getting back to the way it was when you're paying $120, $130 a month to have cable or satellite. And I think that's kind of the thing that's most frustrating to people. And, uh, you know, I, I, I sympathize with that, but I also understand that College sports is a big business. We've talked about this TV deal a lot over the summer, Matt, and uh, this is valuable inventory for the uh, broadcast partners, and they're going to do whatever they can to squeeze every uh, penny out of the consumer, and that's exactly what happens with these Big Ten Plus games, and in the future it's going to be the same thing with Peacock. Yeah, great stuff. Appreciate uh, the mention there of Peacock. It's definitely going to be a service that Big Ten fans, IU fans, are going to want to have when the new TV deal gets underway. Uh, Alex, in tonight's game, um, mm-hmm. I, I guess based on what you saw Saturday against Marion and what you are expecting or looking for tonight, what what, what would be the major things uh, based on what, what we've seen so far that you want to see in tonight's game? Well, I was there on Saturday. I'm not going tonight. Um, but I was impressed uh, just seeing up, up close how well Indiana played defensively. I didn't put too much stock into it necessarily because of the opponent. Uh, I thought Merriam was running some good stuff uh, offensively. Obviously, there's a huge talent disparity, but I thought Indiana was very active defensively. They were up on shooters. Uh, you know, Mike Woodson was really on Xavier Johnson to pick up the ball at half court and pressure the ball. And I think it's another case of where Indiana is ahead of uh, ahead defensively uh, this season uh, compared to where their offense is. I just want to see a continuation of that. Obviously, you'd like to see Xavier Johnson play a little bit better than he played on Saturday overall. Um, I think you look at the shooting line, he was 2 of 11, and you say he played bad. I don't necessarily think he played bad. I think he didn't shoot particularly well. I thought he was good defensively. Uh, his activity was good. He, he, you know, he was... He did a lot of good things. You want to see him shoot the ball a little bit better. Maybe you see Miller Copp be a little bit more uh, aggressive offensively. Uh, but, but really, more than anything else, I think you want to get through this with everybody healthy and looking forward uh, to next week. We still don't know exactly what's going to happen with Trace Jackson Davis and Kamar Bates. We haven't talked to Mike Woodson uh, since Saturday, so no official update was given. My guess on those guys would be if they're not 100%, uh, they're not going to play again because there's no reason to risk anything uh, with an exhibition game. And the same thing kind of goes for next week. Uh, if those guys aren't ready to go 100%, I don't know that you, you play them until they are. Uh, I think the first time that India is really going to need both of those guys uh, is that Xavier. I think we'll be able to win the games next week with or without them. Would you like to get them in there and get some reps? Uh, obviously, but it's a long season. You want to have guys healthy. So I think the most important thing is just to continue see a continuation of the defense that we saw in the opener um and then also just keep guys healthy and and get through uh and look forward to monday's uh, season opener 
Alex Bozich inside the hall. You can read lots of IU content from Alex and his team at InsideTheHall.com and follow them at InsideTheHall on Twitter. Um, I know recently you had, speaking of Trace Jackson Davis, recently you had a podcast out where you spoke about Trace Jackson Davis and what the future after this year could be mm-hmm. like. And I know we've had a lot of conversations in the offseason breaking down what does an expanded game by Trace look like? Will he step out on the yep. floor more? Will we see him shoot more long-range and three-point shots this year? That kind of remains to be seen, obviously. But uh, where, where is Trace at in some of these early NBA thoughts and projections for this June, long after the college season will be over? Yeah, he's mostly second-rounder undrafted. Um, it was interesting. Uh, on the podcast yesterday, we had – a question just about Trace and shooting three-pointers and his NBA draft stock. And there was, uh, you know, a question, too, about just how he compares to Cody Zeller as a draft prospect. And it really kind of spilled over into, I had William McDermott, uh, one of our student writers who broadcast the game uh, last week for DTM Plus. We had a pretty interesting conversation just about Trace as it relates to the NBA. And I think really the thing that hurts him the most is just how much the NBA has changed uh, since, you know, you talk about Cody Zeller being num- the number four pick in 2013. I think Cody Zeller was obviously a more skilled player than Trace overall. But in terms of production, some similarities in terms of just how they mostly scored at the rim uh, and how they both run the floor very well. I just think one thing that a couple things are working against Trace. One, he's not a great free throw shooter. I think NBA teams look at that a lot and say, you know, can I stretch this guy out a little bit? They'll look at the free throw number and they'll say he's 65, 67%. That's not a great number. We don't know that we're going to be able to make him a better, you know, shooter from the perimeter. And if you're a big guy in the NBA now, I mean, look at the most dominant bigs in the NBA. They're shooting three pointers. Joel Embiid, he's shooting threes. Nikola Jokic shooting threes. So um, that that's got to be a part of. Uh, your game if you're going to make it uh, in the NBA. you got to be able to do that. I think that works against him. And also just his age, I think, works against him as well because now he's 22, I think, going to be 23 by the time the draft rolls around. And the NBA is more willing to take a guy, chance on a guy who's 18 or 19, 20, because they say, you know, you can get more out of this guy. I can develop him myself. And you look at a guy that's already 22 or 23, in many cases they're uh, a finished product in, in the eyes of the NBA. So that works against them. I think the biggest thing for Trace, to be honest, Matt, this year is not how many three-pointers he makes or if he shoots mid-range jumpers. It's how much Indiana wins. If he is the best player on a team that has, you know, wins the Big Ten title or competes for it and goes into deep tournament run, he's going to open eyes that way. And, and NBA teams are going to look at him and say, this is a guy that came to Indiana and they weren't very good when he got there. By the time he left, he was their best player and they were a winning program. I think that has more value than some of the other stuff that we've talked about. Alex, one of the things about these exhibition games, I think, is to see players on down the roster that you're really unsure of exactly what their role will be like this season. Will they be in the second rotation on a regular basis or not? One of those that I'm pretty sure is going to be in the rotation a lot who knows where his uh, minutes could land when it's all said and done is Malik Renault, but also Logan Duncombe and C.J. Gunn. Those are just a few players 
in games tonight. Malik, obviously, because of how impressive he was against Marion and the footwork and the post moves, and you envision his body, especially maybe in year two or year three, what he could do in the Big Ten Conference. But then Logan Duncombe, bigger, stronger, looked impressive against Marion. C.J. Gunn shot the ball well. That could be the future of IU basketball a few seasons from now. Yeah, he uh, he's definitely somebody, I think, that projects to be a big part of this program uh, long term. Uh, he's He really impressed me the other night with just, you know, it, it wasn't the best competition, but the thing that really stood out to me when he caught the ball in the post, he had a plan for what he wanted to do. A lot of, guy, a lot of young guys, specifically, you'll see them early on in their careers. They have a go-to move or a, a tendency that they, that they have that they want to kind of do and, and use that and rely on that, and Renew doesn't seem to have that. He's very uh, methodical about when he catches the ball in the post terms of finding his advantage and I was just really impressed with his footwork and how crafty he was he's not a you know he's, he's a good athlete but he's not a great overwhelming athlete I think that both well for Indiana keeping him in Bloomington for a while uh, you know the NBA may not be calling him anytime soon but I think he's going to be a really productive college player I like a lot of about most of what I saw on film uh, kind of translated to that first game there and I it's obviously but any freshman, there's going to be bumps in the road and games where he looks like a freshman and struggles. But I thought the other the other night he looked really good and just really uh, encouraged by his performance. And I think he's definitely somebody that fans should be uh, excited about, not only this season, but in future seasons. Renew for two. Renew for two. I've got to remind myself how to say his <laughs> last, name, last name correctly here as we get into the season. Um, I, say it, I say it both ways, Matt. I don't, I don't think I have come to a conclusion yeah i need to remind myself of that too <laughs> you know speaking about malik um any idea have you heard anything is obviously jalen hood is getting all kind of love and his nba prospectus looks really good maybe sooner than what iu fans would like to hear but what about malik renew could he be a guy that's here two years three years has he got nba in his future at some point you think uh, hard to say because he's a little undersized and kind of goes back to that same thing with bigs. Can you can you step out and hit shots? Are you versatile enough? Are you can you pass the ball well enough? Are your ball skills good enough? I think that's another thing. Kind of with Trace Jackson Davis, people look at him and say he's you know too too much left handed doesn't use right enough same thing with Renault right now or Renew sorry excuse me you know he'll <laughs> he'll develop that over t- as time goes along but uh, you know I, I think front court players right now it's tough if you're not a freak athlete if you don't have extreme size if you don't have crazy length or you know a, sh- or a shot blocker and if you can't step out and shoot I mean look at the guys that that went really high in the draft last year that are big Chad Holmgren kind of a freak just in terms of his build and his shot blocking ability and can step out and hit threes. Jabari Smith was arguably the best shooting big man in college basketball last year. He went in the top three. Paolo is a combination of a guy that can really punish you in the paint, and he can also step out in the mid-range in the three-point line and make shots. 
that's what the NBA wants right now out of big. So Malik Renew, uh, Renew right now is not uh, any of those things. So is it, will it be impossible for him to make the NBA? Is he going to be somebody that ne- never makes it? I'm not saying that, but I think he's going to take uh, a lot more time to develop into a, a prospect that catches the eye of the NBA uh, than it will for Jalen Petrufino. All right, Alex Bozich inside the hall. St. Francis is the opponent tonight. I've mentioned a lot about Damon Bailey this week, kind of taking a trip down memory lane. His son, Brayton, a key player, a junior guard for St. Francis, and started 30 of 31 games last season as a sophomore for the Cougars. I'm assuming we'll see the legend Damon in Assembly Hall with his family tonight. That's a really neat connection for this exhibition game. Yeah, I would I would assume he would be there. I think it obviously will be a, a cool moment for him and for his son. I know a lot of people were hopeful when he was uh, you know coming up to the high school ranks that he would develop into a guy that would be able to play at that level. But everyone kind of you know takes their own path, and he's obviously got a great opportunity playing there at St. Francis. So uh, it would be a cool moment for him to be able to, to take the floor and. Assembly Hall and and Damon, I'm sure will be there and just uh, yeah, I, I guess it makes you feel a little bit old, doesn't it, Matt? Because I uh, I remember when I was a kid, you know, seeing Damon Bailey come up through the ranks and what kind of player he was, and uh, you know, it it always he was he was just a household name in, in high school basketball and college basketball growing up and. The fact that he's now got a son that's in college just kind of makes you realize how fast uh, time goes by. But I think it'll be an awesome moment for him to be able to, to play tonight in Assembly Hall. Looking forward to seeing that. Absolutely. Alex Bozich, InsideTheHall.com, at InsideTheHall on the Twitter and social media. Thank you, Alex. We'll catch up again next week. Great stuff. All right, Matt. Have a great day. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. Come back. It's a quick conversation, but we'll have one on IU football with Matt Weaver of Peaks.com. It's Indiana and Penn State. I think we all know it's a tough one coming up and really a tough road to hoe for this Indiana team the rest of the football season. That's why all the attentions went to basketball. Everybody thrilled for basketball and just a little disappointed in football, that's for sure. We'll head to a break. We're back with Matt Weaver, IU football, the subject. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back. Final segment. It's going to be a quick one with Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. He's the the source for IU football coverage at the Pigs.com website. Matt, thanks for being with us. I know that this IU football season has been disappointing for so many fans, and unfortunately the next few weeks are going to be very difficult for this team. But I'm curious, any insight against Penn State on who the starting quarterback is? Is it more of Connor Bazelak or is Coach Allen and the staff maybe at a position where they're willing to try an alternate plan here the rest of the way? Well, you know, based on his comments on Monday at his press conference, it certainly seems like there could be a change at quarterback. Now, 
the reasoning behind that, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's, you know, obviously Bayslake's had his had, had some had some poor moments, but he's also had some good moments. So, um, and you know, I don't know if it's based on performance or you know he has taken a lot of hits this year. Um, there's been some games where he's gotten up slowly and even kind of limped off the field. So maybe this is an injury related thing. If there is a change. Um, but it, de- it definitely seems like, um, you know, who's going to be the starting quarterback when they could take the field on Saturday is definitely a big question mark. Who it'll be, I don't know. I mean, if it was me, obviously I'm not the coach, but, you know, you have two guys right now, at least scholarship-wise, Jack Tuttle and, and um, Dexter Williams. Jack Tuttle's announced he's leaving. There's four games left in his IU career. He's obviously not part of the future. This is kind of somewhat of a lost season. Um, you know, you're still trying to win games, but – to me, you play Dexter Williams and see what you've got there. This is this is where you find out what kind of player he is, and you give him a shot. But it'll be interesting to see who they do, uh, who does trot out on the field when the offense takes the field against Penn State. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that is probably the thing that I and most people are most interested in because it's going to be a tough one against Penn State coming up on Saturday. You know, Matt, one other thing. You mentioned it's a tough season. Where does Indiana <laughs> go from here? Is it a lost season? Um, I was looking ahead at the 247 Sports rankings. You guys obviously affiliated with the 247 Sports Network. Um, It didn't take me long to see Indiana right at the very top of the list, and it wasn't in a good way as far as 2023 recruiting classes. The composite ratings have them at number 14 of 14 in the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, and I will say, and this is not in any way to, you know, try to spin this, uh, the composite rankings are based on a big part of it is the number of commits you have. And Indiana's got a smaller class; they only have nine commits. Now, even if they had a bigger class, they'd probably still be, um, you know, more towards the bottom half. But I don't know if they'd be 14th. If you look at the average ranking, I think they're a little bit higher than, than 14th in the conference. But there's no doubt that last year's season has taken somewhat of a toll on recruiting. I mean, that's when you go two and ten and you lose what was it like eight or nine in a row to finish it out you know, it's going to hurt you on the recruiting trail because what you were selling before, you can't really sell, you know, after that. So, um, you know, it, it's, I, I, I think it's, 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 a, it's a solid class, but it's not anywhere near what they did last year, maybe in years past, you know, when they were getting the multiple four stars and they were, you know, pushing me in the top 25, 30 in the country. Um, you know, luckily it's a smaller class, so if it's not as great of a class, hopefully it doesn't hurt you as bad, but... You know, you know, when you don't win, this is the kind of things that happen. It makes recruiting more difficult, and it's really killed them in state. I mean, they've other than Sam West, they've got nobody in state, and pretty much really had not no chance with most of the guys in state. All right, Matt, uh, we're going to get out of here in just a moment, but how bad could it be? Can Indiana put together a competitive performance at home and keep it reasonable and challenge Penn State, or are we beyond that? I mean, I think they could, but it just where's this team's mentality? Where's their mindset? Obviously, the Rutgers game was highly disappointing. You get up 14 nothing, and then just the bottom falls out. So, um, you know, weather could be a factor. I'm hearing possibly rain and 40 to 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts, so that could make it really interesting. Maybe that makes it a more competitive game. But, you know, it's just it's hard to see where this team keeps it close because offensively they're just not, they're just not producing at all. And so it's, it's tough to see how they keep it close. Penn State's got really good players. So, I mean, my prediction is it's probably two two touchdowns to 17, 20-point win for, for the Nittany Lions. All right. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. Matt, thanks for stopping by for the chat and appreciate you and all of your coverage. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care.
All right, Matt Weaver with us. He normally joins us on Thursdays like he did today for a convo on IU football, but uh, definitely a tough one ahead for this Indiana team. I really think that uh, with Penn State next and then Ohio State, then Michigan State, uh, the Purdue game is going to be big. It's a rivalry game. We know that. Uh, Purdue is not uh, Ohio State or Penn State, that's for sure, so it's a more reasonable game. But that's going to be the, the big highlight of the season, the big close to the season, because that's a game Indiana maybe has a chance in. Have a great Thursday. We'll be back with you Friday to close out the week. The first week of November, almost in the books. It'll be Thanksgiving and then Christmas before you know it. We'll be back with you Friday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.